So next Wednesday, October 23rd, we're going to bring it to you live. Multifamily Foundation Podcast is ready to launch. Imagine if you could not fail. If the foundation of your multifamily business had a blueprint that was built by the best. Well, this is what the Multifamily Foundation Podcast gives you. We're going to bring you actionable content with tools to strengthen your multifamily business. From finding deals to raising money to asset management, we will give you a formula for success. Now, this comes with entrepreneurship. It comes with lifestyle. It comes with building yourself so you're ready to take down whether it's a four unit or a $25 million deal. We're going to bring you the resources to make that happen. Are you ready to build your foundation? If you are, listen in. Let's do this. This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate. So before we dive into the show, we wanted to say thank you so much to all the listeners out there. It's always great to have you dive in with us on all these great topics we were to have able to have. And if you want to hear more about us, go to urusiholdings.com. You can find everything about us from projects we're working on, more about our team members, how we break it up, and all the resources we offer. And if you want to invest, learn more about investing with us there. Also, make sure to check out our multifamily meetup if you're local here in New Jersey. We run the New Jersey Multifamily Investment Meetup, and it happens to be every second Tuesday of the month uh, here in North Central Jersey. So if you're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, make sure to check it out. And lastly, if you want to learn more about investing in apartment buildings, go to multifamilyfoundation.com. All right, check out the show. Well, hello again. Welcome back. Thanks for checking in with us again. Excited to have you. Of course, if you like what you hear, go over to iTunes. Give us a ratings review. It doesn't have to be five stars. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what we can do better, what we can bring to you, what we can make just the best show possible. We have a great show for you today. We have Manesh Bendy on the show. Hey, Manesh, how are you? Fantastic. Thank you for having me on board. Well, thank you for being with us. And Manesh is sharing all the way from England with us today, London, just coming over, going to give us great guidance. And Manesh started negotiating and selling real estate at 16 years old. Together with his father, he pioneered a unique, no money down real estate transaction process in the UK, where he went on to help investors purchase property worth over 20 million pounds with this strategy. And at this age of just 18, he also completed his first independent real estate deal for three flats in the heart of London's financial district, which netted him a cash back on purchase of 68,000 pounds and 250,000 pounds in equity. And so after this, his friend suggested Manesh, well, why don't you just basically come help him naturally and create an investment ed- education company. And for really twice a month for the next three or four years, he spoke at notable investment seminars as well as just organizing his own. And at age of 23, so again, we're, we're, we're barely anywhere in, in the course of a life right now, just at 23, he goes on to share the O2 arena stage with Sir Richard Branson as spoken around the world from Hawaii to New Zealand and his co-speakers have included renowned business icons, Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple Computers. So, wow, Manesh, we, we got a ton to dive in for just even at such an early age. Intimidating me with my own bio. Though. I was like, man, this is, this is great. So I'd love to have you. Uh, fill in the gaps. What did I miss? Talk to me about, about who you are and what you do. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a very... Um, confident and uh, self-driven person. So how I got into it at 16 was very simple. My dad was negotiating real estate and I was walking past one of his phone calls one day and just standing by the door, just listening. And I've heard of so many of these 
And he got off the phone, he looked at me and I was just smirking at him. And I was, he said, what are, you, what are you smirking at? And I said, sounds easy, I could do this shit too. Word for word, that's what I said at, at like 15 and a half, something like that. And he, you know, the biggest blessing I had was he didn't tell me to screw off, right? He said, well, all right, well, show me. That's when, that's when the trauma started. Because, you know, when you're 15, 15 and a half, 16 years old, you have this confidence that sort of, you know, writes checks that you might not be able to cash. Um, and, but yeah, so then I had to learn and I figured out it wasn't actually that, it wasn't actually that hard. And I started working with new build developers, negotiating deals, understanding what mortgage brokers needed, understanding what lawyers needed, packaging deals, understanding what, how to make a deal work, what the type of deal that would work for a normal investor, then pitching those deals. And then obviously, you know, I met a friend of mine, his name is Mark Anastasi, he used to run seminars uh, in, in the UK. And I went to talk to him because I didn't really understand these, these Muppets that were on stage. It was just like, I don't get this. Why don't you actually go do something real, right? Like, because you know, yeah, as sure. a kid, you know. Um, and then he said, hey, you need to be on stage. And I, my first instinct was, no, I'm not interested in that. You have no idea how much money I'm making. Because back then, you know, 60 grand a year when you're 17, 18 years old is, is, is almost like a million dollars a year, right? Sure, absolutely. Um, and so... You know, he said, how about, because I think he very quickly knew what motivated me at that point. He was very good at that. And he said, how about you just watch my presentation next and then we'll have a chat. And I'm sitting there on the aisle, you know, in a back of a back row of like a 700 person event. And I'm sitting there on the aisle and I see like 200, 100 to 200 people run past me to go give him, you know, two grand each. And instantly I turned to my dad and I said, I could do this shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and a month later, I was on stage um, wow. selling the actual deals that, that, that I was negotiating at that point. Uh, and then it went on to investment education. So do you feel that confidence was, was bred within your family dynamic? Or is this something that you, you learned in some capacity? And I, I, I guess I ask this more for people that, that feel they're missing this, this thing. What, what do you find is the source for you? I don't know. I can never answer that question. As people ask me that question, I don't think there was a con concentrated effort to breed that within me or nurture that within me uh, when I was younger. I think it was, it's just, I, I really cannot explain uh, where that comes from. And a lot of people ask me that question, you know, like, oh, what if I'm missing this self-confidence, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the, the only advice I can give is that, you know, that is coming from a lack of, self-belief and mm -hmm. i think one of my uh ways of getting over a lack of self-belief was just to ask enough questions and just start off with assuming that the person that i'm talking to is talking shit and they've got to verify themselves to me um and i think that helped me a lot in building my self-confidence and understanding where people are coming from and whether they are talking shit or not uh and i think that's very important Absolutely. And so now you've built this into your confidence. You start now giving presentations. And for this, you've given over 550 presentations to high net worth in investors. That sounds like a lot of work. Right? Yeah, it sure does. But you know, is it work? Because you enjoy it, right? And it's, it's part that fulfills you. So you get out there and do this. What is this building your brand? What, what tools? Just one, one, one thing, one thing, one thing. Sure. People, people, people always say that and it never really resonated with me, which the idea of, awesome. okay, you know, you're speaking uh, and it's not really work because you enjoy it. Now, I've got to be absolutely honest. Understand 
why I went into real estate and understand why I went into education and speaking. Mark Anastasi understood it so quickly when he, in that five seconds of talking to me, he understood money motivated me. Yeah. I was not motivated to help and inspire people until after 2008. My main motivation was to make money. And a byproduct of that was making other people money. Because when I started, I thought, mm -hmm. if I can make other people money, they're going to give me a fee for that. So it was a natural understanding. I was not motivated. I wasn't going on stage because I enjoyed going on stage. Yeah. I, I was good at it. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was really good at it. But, you know, that also, having that separation allowed me to walk away from the stage in 2013 without looking back. Yeah, and I, and I think maybe rephrasing it here is that money is a driver, right? Most of the time, that's why you're going to start. But, but if you don't like it, ultimately, sometimes how much does the money rely? If you're making money and it's a miserable environment, you're not enjoying it overall, it's ultimately going to lead you away quicker than if you do enjoy what you're doing and do find gratitude from helping others, especially in a time like 2008. So you yeah. go from this, and what happens at 2013? Where do you go? So 2008 happened, uh, and I was basically psychologically out. I saw so many people lose money, and simply because of simple things that they shouldn't have been doing, but they were doing. And we were also, by that point in 2008, we were teaching people how to invest in the stock market, and part of that is using leverage. And so many people lost money because of leverage. And then I would speak to my, you know, when that sort of starts happening, you guys start getting complaints. The natural process is a meeting with counsel, not the, not the government. I'm talking about your own personal lawyers, business mm -hmm. lawyers, just to make sure, you know, what the potential risks are, et cetera, et cetera, especially in an education business, right? People overlook that. Um, and the lawyers told me very clearly, you have no issues to worry about. You have no claims because you've got terms and conditions signed with everyone. And there's a disclaimer in that, that, you know, this is just education, which is what it was, right? But in turbulent times, you never know how people are going to react to, sure. to loss. Um, so with that advice, it felt good for about 25 minutes. And then I remember coming, stepping out of my, my, my lawyer's office and going, so this is like me saying, this is a gun and it's gonna it could kill you here it is and just don't point it at your leg and by the way sign this piece of paper that says uh you're not gonna point it at your leg and you mm. promise and something just felt wrong with me about doing that because yes while leverage is a great tool for most people they don't know how to manage it and for most people, they can't manage it because they've got 75 other things going on every single day that they need to focus on. And they're not traders watching the market from a market open to market close. And so it felt wrong to me, but I couldn't understand why. So I went into basically a psychological shutdown for a period of a year, not wanting to teach anyone, not wanting to help anyone, not wanting to do anything. And then after 2000, and, so 2009 is when I started focusing on gold and silver and researching gold and silver, which is a part of what we do. Um, and then I realized that my real mission should be to make safe investing exciting because the only reason people lost money was that they believed that they needed risky investments to make them money. And that's just not the case. That is not the case. No one that's super successful in investing long-term believes that. And I didn't believe that at the point and the mentors that I had didn't believe that at the point, but for some reason I failed to translate that in my first couple of businesses in the investment education space. So then I launched Gold and Silver for Life, and then here we are today. And 2013, that's what you asked about, walking off stage. I'd, I'd spoken on the stage with Richard Branson. I looked around and went, because bear in mind, by that point, I'd been speaking on stage for seven years or something like that anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just looked around and went, 
everyone that I speak to that's a speaker, their main goals are to make money as a speaker and speak on stage with Richard Branson or an equivalent <laughs> personality, right? And I went, sure. I think I've done everything that these people want to do. And everyone that I'm looking at is like 40 to 50 years old. There should be more for me. Um, and that's when I just decided I'm going to walk away from the stage. Uh, and I actually went, <laughs> I flew to an event actually where your wife from, right? Hawaii. And I flew from London oh. to Hawaii. Really wanted to go to Hawaii. I was like, hey, I'm going to Hawaii. And I spoke at this event in Hawaii and I realized I've just spent five days in Hawaii at an event which is in a conference room that looks exactly like a conference room in London. Perspective. Exactly. And it made me realize, you know, the amount of time that I'm spending speaking, I'm not factoring in the travel time. I'm not factoring in the the stress on my body and my mind as a result of that travel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just, once I factored everything in, it was a net zero. Yeah. And I, I want to jump back to this making safe investment exciting because it really is true, right? So many people jump into an area where they have no business being into because they think they have to have some kind of diversity. So even if you're successful in one business, I don't know, you're successful in a plumbing business, you think just that success will carry over to opening up you know, a chicken restaurant or something else to that capacity, or you're a chef cooking for someone and you can ultimately you know, dive into having your own business and the risk associated, they think it, it garners more reward, but ultimately you're doing yourself a disservice because you're, you're jumping completely outside the space you know into a space where there's people doing it every day that are just going to crush you, literally crush you because that's what they do when you're still focused on your, your plumbing business or your financial business or whatever it is. And now you're trying to jump into a whole other market and compete. And then people are always shocked when they have failure until they look at that concept and say, well, yeah, I had no business being in the chicken business or we're investing in real estate when I don't focus on it, I just gave my money to somebody else. So now you've, you've worked with Perfect Portfolio, which is, which is what you do. How does that now involve making safe investment and siting? So back in 2010, we launched Gold and Silver for Life. And the goal was, what is the hardest thing I can find uh, that is, quote unquote, the least exciting thing that if I could make exciting, I might have figured out a formula, right? Mm-hmm. And gold and silver was the one to me because you can't get any more boring than buying bricks, bars, and coins. But what most people didn't realize was that the way the wealthy do gold and silver and the way that my mentors did gold and silver, they weren't using the typical methods because they were, they were able to generate a cash flow. So now every $50,000 that I put into gold and silver, it pays me back six to $13,200 a year like clockwork without me doing anything, right? And so I think uh, understanding that and figuring out, okay, how do I translate that to normal people? Uh, and then years after that, after we figured that out, got a 92% success rate, clients in 46 countries, et cetera, et cetera. Once we figured that out, we then launched um, Property Profits for Life uh, and then Stock Profits for Life to teach people how to invest in real estate the way that you know a hedge fund might do it and uh, how to invest in the stock market long term as well and then beginning of this year we rolled all of those three companies into perfect portfolio amazing and again so now we jump into perfect portfolio is is your advice to 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 people who come into the platform that they should focus on one particular lane or or do should they become I'll use the word diversified for lack of a good word, or should they, they position themselves across these multiple lanes? It depends how much money you've got. If you're investing okay. with, if you're, if, you're, if you're investing with just 50 grand, you can't be that diversified. It's not worth it at, at that point. Um, so you need to, it just depends how much money you've got. So there has to be that element where, you know, what, what I do is the second stage of wealth, not the first stage. The first stage is where you go and create wealth. Mm-hmm. 
and I come in when you want to grow it. So there's two stages to it. And a lot of, we get a lot of people get, get that very confused. Uh, and a lot of people nowadays sort of look for an investing strategy to help them make money. But yeah. you need to go figure out the making money part side first. And then where I come in, where Perfect Portfolio comes in is when you look at it and growing it. And it just depends on how much money you've got. Yeah, it's like gambling, right? If you do it the other way around, because it's like going like, oh, I need to make rent. So I'm going to go to the casino and put it on black and hope I can double down my rent. Well, it's the same thing here. If you don't have your reserves set up, you don't have your life in order. And then now you're going to try and invest in an area that you're learning. You can't think of something more risky than that, especially when you're putting both of them together. Completely agree. Now, give us the, the, the target for Perfect Portfolio. What is your ultimate goal with the platform? I love this. So my goal with Perfect Portfolio, after rolling everything together and realizing, okay, we've got a 92% success rate, we've got clients in 46 different countries, we've got single moms in Indonesia using the product, as well as ex-Wall Street traders. We've got, you know, farmers, doctors, we've got all types of different people, people that are 89 years old and people, well, the youngest client I use is like 11 years old, that son of a client, right? Um, we've, we've, we've built this off. So what's the overall goal? And it's very simple. I want people... I see. I believe. I, I don't believe that people get into investing or pursue investing um, to go and own and build a property management business, right? Yeah. I think only a few people, like us nutcases, me and you, want to do that because we get a kick out of that, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think most people actually want that. I think what most people want is they want the security and they want the freedom and they want the ability to basically do whatever they want to do with their wealth so that they can focus on the other million things that are going on in their life and not yeah. just focus on, on, on the seminar and on the training and on the property. I don't think a doctor that's had a full day of, uh, of looking after people wants to come home and then spend eight hours going and looking at shitty properties. I, I, don't, I just don't think that that's what that guy or that woman wants for their life. So I think wealth should be easy and wealth is easy. So my main goal with Perfect Portfolio is to allow someone to manage a fully balanced portfolio that's generating results from an iPhone, one of these, right? You can manage your entire portfolio, entire life from one of these things. Uh, and that's why we use the new tools and market innovations that are out there that are well, not really new anymore, but uh, they're new to most people uh, that are out there to allow somebody to have that effect, right? You want to be invested. You want to be diversified, sure. But you also want the freedom. You want the choices and you want everything else that wealth is supposed to give you. And so how do you adapt now with the changing environment, with everything moving so quickly into really data and really to, to electronically, how, how are you continuing to adapt to keep up? Well, the good thing is, is that yes, things are moving quickly. However, long-term investing is still long-term investing. So sure. good uh, if we're investing in, for example, the stock market, then all I want to be in, in stock profits for life in essence is a way to own uh, an index fund and then use our strategies to generate a 12% increased return on that index fund. So I don't care really what's going on in the economy. I don't care really what's going on in tech. I just want a piece of everything, right? Sure. So in the end, it all balances out. And, you know, for the last couple hundred years, it's produced a return of 8% compounded. Last 10 years, it's 15% compounded. And then in addition to our 12% cash flow, you're doing very, very well compared to most fund managers. As far as real estate goes, the biggest problem that I had in real estate was if I went into one, what most people do, they'll go into like one particular city, Right. And they'll go buy a few properties in that one particular city and they forget that the total rental demand for that one particular city is dependent on one company having a factory yeah. there. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that one factory could disappear and then they've got no more rental demand for their property. So uh, and this happens more in the States than it does uh, here sure. in, the, in the UK. Yeah. Right. Because it's so far spread out. Um, so my main goal with real estate is I want to own everything. I want commercial property. Mm-hmm. I want residential property. I want nursing homes. I want malls. I want I want freaking everything, right? I want a piece of everything. And then most importantly, I don't want to do anything. I want the best managers. I want the best people that are there to generate the highest returns. They've got to be emotionless. They've got to be ruthless. And they've got to be able to generate the highest amount of ROI from that property portfolio, which is why I like to use REITs and REITs ETFs uh, to do that. So, you know, with REITs, a real estate uh, investment trust, what that's happening is very simple. They specialize in, for example, residential properties in New York. So mm-hmm. this REIT gets a bunch of money from a bunch of uh, investors and they go out and manage all of those properties uh, in New York, res- specific residential properties in New York. And guess what? Now they have accountants and, and, and more likely nerds that are sitting there monitoring every single financial statement, every single contract, every single element of this property portfolio. Why? Because if they don't do that and they don't maximize the return, their funds are going to get pulled out of their portfolio. So they need, they are incentivized to generate you the highest return from the money that you give them. And of course they're going to want a small fee for that, right? So that's a real estate investment trust. Where I invest is one level higher than that, which is a REIT ETF, a real estate investment trust ETF. So what I do is I give my money to an ETF manager and they now, so it's like the super nerds, right? So now the super nerds are now watching the financial statements and the analysis of the normal nerds. Mm-hmm. And they're going, which one of these guys is now generating the best returns for the overall portfolio? And they're now allocating the, uh, my money to all of these ETFs to diversify all of my holdings. So with one purchase of a REIT ETF, I'm now investing in 16 different uh, types of real estate all over the world. I'm getting a rental yield, or all over the US rather, I'm getting a rental yield, mm. a dividend yield of 3.29% net. I've got no management headaches, no finance headaches, none of those headaches, and I'm generating 12% a year additional on the cash flow. And I can do that from my phone. Same thing with gold and silver, right? So we, you want to be in gold and silver, you have to be in gold and silver, um, but I don't want to buy bricks, bars, and coins. My first gold and silver investment that I did stupidly, I walked in with 50 grand in cash, handed that over and walked away with a bunch of gold and sort of you just feel like someone's going someone's to come and knock you over the top of the head and, and, and take that gold and silver. Reality, that doesn't really happen, but that's how you feel. Now, the problem was I only realized this once I got home. The, the gold and silver that I had was in today's money worth just $35,000 because the 15 grand, there was a premium that I had to pay the bullion dealer hmm. to buy the gold and silver. So I've just paid for a car, right? I've just paid, sure. I've, I've handed over 50 grand and got 35 in, in yep. real terms. Now the problem is that $35,000 worth of gold has to go up to 50,000. I have to go up by 15,000, almost 50% just for me to break even just for me to break yeah. even because they're not going to be paying me what the original, but they're not going to be paying the spread, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to be paying. If I go and want to sell that, they're only going to give me 35 for that, right? So that was a, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. Most people are investing in gold and silver not understanding that, yeah. right? These guys are skimming off this money just for no reason. So my goal was to figure out, you know, institutions don't invest in gold and silver like that. I wanted to bring institutional gold and silver investing to normal people 
uh, and then show them how to make the cash flow on it as well. So now every 50 grand I invest in gold and silver, I'm getting a six to $13,200 a year uh, income from it. And most importantly, for every 50 grand I invest in gold and silver, I'm getting, you know, $49,500 worth of gold and silver. Huh, that's incredible. And actually, that's such a dynamic point because people, when they're investing in something, they're not paying attention to the fees and the other things that build up. So what their original investment is, isn't, you know, it's not dollar for dollar. If you're putting in a dollar and you're, you're only getting 80 cents of the value, you don't factor in, oh, well, the return looks great, but what does the return need to do just even to get me back to just even, just to start actually accumulating that return? And when you look at it yeah. from that concept, that's why most people never grow within their investments because they're slowly just eating themselves away and deteriorating from the inside of just really taking money, devaluing it, trying to build it back up and putting it in something else, devaluing it. And by the time each year you add in inflation or simple things, you're getting crushed. So yeah. I mean, that's, this is great. This is great. And so I got, I got a few quick answers for your quick uh, questions for you that I'd love to hit you with. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, by my dad, time in the market is more important than time in the market. That's great. Your investing superpower, what is it? Oh, uh, patience, I guess. Or not really patience. Uh, I would call it a detachment. Okay. That's actually yeah. huge, right? The emotion, yeah. an emotional level of anything from stock market to buying properties. If you get lost in that, you know, especially properties, it, it, you can get in and out of stock market. The properties, you can be stuck for a long time. What, yeah. what's, what's the best guidance you've taken that is, you feel has been a, a accelerator to your career. Get shit done. Get off my get off my ass. I almost said the f word there, which uh, you know, this is a real passionate one for me because yeah. I see people that are attending seminars and then ten years later they're still attending seminars. Right. The whole point of a seminar and education is so you don't have to keep going back. Right. Hmm. Uh, you know, you only go to school for three years. Why do you keep going to seminars for ten years? Like it doesn't make sense to me. Right. Yeah. So. You've got to get off your ass. You've got to do something. I don't care who you are, what you do, whether you lose money, make money. You're, you're never going to... I don't know any successful person that read books for five years and then suddenly overnight became a success. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work like that. You've got to go and make action, take, take risks. And then obviously you want to do that smartly. You want to get a coach. You want to get someone to help you, which is what I did. But you want to work with people that are doing it and just start taking the action. I don't care what you learn, what you feel, how great your vibrations are. If you do not take the action, you're not going to get the result. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's, it's that, that fear to fail, but you need to fail forward to make action happen. And for that, that, that follows up to the next great question. How are you most productive in your day? What's key strategy you use? Smoke cigars. Say again? Smoke cigars. Smoke, Smoke cigars. cigars. I love it. Cuban cigars particularly. And the reason for that is this. For so many years, I believe that the key to sort of making things happen was the word hustle, right? Huh. Um, and I think that's bullshit. I think that's absolutely bullshit because you can be hustling in a, in a circle uh, all day and you don't know what you're doing. I think the key is strategy and inspiration. Uh, you want to pull yourself forward with a strategy and then you want to wait for that inspiration. You don't act until you feel that inspiration. That doesn't mean you don't do anything. What I'm saying is, is that you just want to wait until something feels right and yeah. then move forward. You don't just hustle your day, uh, you know, hustle yourself out of your day, so to say. So smoking Cuban cigars works really well because it allows you to slow down and think. And then, yeah. you know, you know, while I'm smoking Cuban cigars, I'm not on my phone watching YouTube videos or Netflix. I'm thinking about what I want to happen. 
And then at some point, by thinking about what I want to happen, I go, oh shit, that's a great idea. Let yeah. me get on it. And, that's, and, then, and then in 10 minutes, it's done. Love yeah. it. Huge. Well said. And honestly, that, that's a great end to the segment here because that, that's just key for people. Find your focus. Give yourself time to just not rush through everything and just really just capture the day that way. Manesh, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been awesome. For, for listeners, what's the best way to find you, find more about you? Well, perfectportfolio.com. I mean, you've got the links that you're going to sure have uh, in the show notes that people can use, but you can't find me on social media. I have no desire for social media. I'm not a dopamine junkie. I don't care. You cannot follow me at all. You can work with me and you can work with the company, but you cannot follow me. I have no interest in sharing uh, what I'm doing with my dog. <laughs> Incredible. Well, Manesh, thanks for so much for coming on the show. Super appreciate your time. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. And all the listeners, thank you. Thanks for checking out with us. We'll be back shortly. Bye now. Mm.